Welcome to the I Heart My Life show with success coach Emily Williams. Tune in daily to learn how to design a life you love, create more success and wealth, move past fear and blocks, and bring more joy into your life and business. It's time to create a life that's better than your dreams. Hey everyone, it's Emily Williams here, the founder of I Heart My Life, and this is the I Heart My Life show. So today we have an incredible guest with us here today, Amber Liliestrom. She is coming to us from the U.S. I'm so excited to talk to her, and she is one of the most powerful stories I've heard in a really long time, so I know you're going to absolutely love this episode. So Amber is a transformational branding strategist. She's also a business coach, author, and speaker. She helps entrepreneurs turn their passion into heart-centered brands and thriving businesses. She's worked with thousands of women building multiple six-figure businesses, from building her multiple six-figure business from home while being present for her daughter every single day and recently retiring her husband from his police career. So welcome, Amber. So excited to have you here. Thank you, Emily. I'm so thrilled to be here today. Like I said at the beginning, you have such an amazing story, and I feel like everyone has their own I Heart My Life story, so I'd love to start there, especially with the turning point of you, you know, everything you experienced giving birth to your daughter, just anything that you're willing to share that you know has gotten you um, to where you are today. We'd love to hear it. Thank you so much for the invitation. So um, I've been in business now for the last four years, building this uh, branding and business coaching little empire we've got going here in the woods of New Hampshire, um, homeschooling our daughter. And my husband is now home full time too, and he helps in the business, but he's also really hands-on in our life as a family and um, taking our daughter to the playground and doing all the things that we do as a family, making time and space for me to really thrive and flourish in the business to support our family. And so this was my dream. Uh, But if you rewind four years ago, even five years ago, uh, when my daughter was born, my life looked really different. And the reality of it was that uh, I, at the time, I was raised by two amazing devoted parents who are, are still working, who've worked really hard all their lives, but definitely have the belief that it kind of is what it is, you know, and I know that may, probably many people listening to this show right now, were raised in a similar way. And um, it, the it was around this notion and this ideology that, you know, you go to college, you get your degree, you get your job, you work really hard, you, you know, you, you build that 401k, and then you hope to be able to retire one day. And I was on that track But the reality was, um, in my corporate career, I worked in collegiate athletics marketing. So I was um, an associate athletic director for Division I athletic department here in the U.S. And I uh, ran all of the branding, marketing, did a lot of corporate sponsorship sales and execution for for our programs. And it was a great job. I loved my job a lot. I actually got to teach at the university, too. I got my master's for free, which was awesome. Um, But I was working like 60 hours a week. And I was working nights and weekends. And... Um, my life was completely devoted to my career and promotions were happening every two years because I was a super assertive (laughs) member of the department. I was always adding more to my plate, but that just then meant, you know, in order to get that raise, you had to work way more and way harder. And, um, I just knew that this was going to burn me out eventually. Um, and I knew that this wasn't going to be super sustainable, but I didn't know how to do anything else. And so when I was um, 31, uh, I I was pregnant with our first child and we were so excited. We went through fertility treatments to conceive. And so it was a really big deal um, to be pregnant. And we were just, we were overjoyed and thrilled. 
And uh, I remember specifically on January 1st, 2013, I woke up and I was probably two, two and a half weeks, three weeks pregnant, or since the test at least. And I started having morning sickness. And it was like, the worst you could possibly imagine. I could, I could hardly get up. I could hardly go to work. And I ended up having to take medication in order to just function, which didn't feel good to me. I didn't, I didn't want to be taking those pills, but I knew that I had to go to work. It wasn't an option for me to not go to work. And so, um, I basically struggled through the first 18 weeks, 20 weeks of pregnancy sick every single day. And then finally it started to kind of relent a little bit, but I just had a, I had a hard pregnancy. And I think the, what I realize now, because hindsight is 2020 is part of the reason why it was so hard was because I felt like I was always fighting myself and I was subscribed to a, an, a system, an achievement system essentially that was making me have to operate in such a way that didn't allow me to really be who I wanted to be and do the things that I wanted to do. And I, at that time in my life, I had started to, I had started getting really curious and interested in the world of personal development and growth. I was reading um, books. I remember I, I was reading the, the Desire Map by Daniel Laporte. It was this really powerful book for me at the time. Um, I was reading Success Principles and just like getting really curious about all this whole world of personal growth and development. And so I'm getting this 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 knowledge. I'm certain there's probably people listening to this that remember that moment in their journey. Perhaps you do too, Emily, yeah. or they actually are there right now. And so I'm still living sort of like this double life. Like I have all these aspirations. I'm journaling all my dreams. I'm seeing everything I want, but I have no idea how I'm going to get there. And I'm thinking that this is what my life has to be. I feel like I'm kind of stuck and I'm separate from these people who are so successful. So fast forward to August 2013, and now I am I'm, I'm just about at my due date. And uh, the actual day of my daughter's birth, her coming into the world, um, was one of the most life-changing days of my entire life. Not just because I became a mom, yeah. like which is obvious, but because um, <clears throat> when I got to the hospital, when I was admitted, when I was in labor, you know, I pushed for about four hours, and nothing was progressing. And so we ended up having to have an emergency C-section. And when they brought me into the operating room, uh, they laid me down on the operating room table and um, at, just after administering the spinal tap. And as they laid me down, I remember this feeling in my body where uh, my lung volume just seemed to be getting shorter and shorter and shorter. It was harder to catch my breath. And then I noticed that the nurse had put a, a large bag valve mask over my face and her hand was pumping it right next to me. And I could literally feel my lungs inflating, but me not actually doing that. And so it was this sort of like out of body experience because I couldn't feel my diaphragm had been frozen by the spinal tap, which is a um, potential side effect. It actually can be a fatal side effect when a high spinal tap happens. It's when the, the patient is laid down and it kind of just like rises up. And so um, thankfully it didn't get to my heart, but it froze my diaphragm and I wasn't breathing. And I went into this space of um, unconsciousness. I was not I was not able to see anything. I, I could hear things for a little while, but then suddenly I wasn't able to. And I was in this sort of space between, I was in the space between motherhood and I didn't know what. But yeah. what I what I was met with was the real the realization that I might actually be dying right now. I might actually not get the chance to hold my daughter. And I was gripped with this sense of just massive regret and frustration because when the rubber hit the road, I knew what I wanted. I knew that I wanted to speak. I knew that I wanted to write bikes, write, write bikes, write bikes, <laughs> write books, both. I wanted to do all those things. I wanted to serve in a bigger way. I wanted to help women. I, I had known this all the days of my life, 
but I was too afraid to admit it, you know, out loud to anyone. And here I am laying on this operating room table and I'm not breathing. Mm. And I am, I, I thought this is it. This is the, this is, this is like, really, really God, this is it. And it was sort of like in that valley where I started to get visions in my head of my husband and of my mom and my dad. And I started to feel this overwhelming sense of love for these people in my life. Like what a gift that I got to do life with these amazing humans, you know, that I got to do life with them. And I, and also simultaneously, which was huge, they got to do life with me. I got to be a gift to their life. Yeah. And so I was in this space of just like feeling loved and feeling held and feeling like everything's going to be okay, no matter what happens right now. And in that beautiful space and place, Emily, I, I just surrendered. I just handed it all over and I said, okay, you know, if this is, if this is my life, I am so grateful. You know, if this is, if this is where this life, this physical life experience ends, I am so grateful. And in that moment of surrender, it was literally like a, a switch had flipped and I was just back. I was just awake. I could breathe. The thing was off my face. I heard the anesthesiologist standing behind me and he said, go, 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 go like that to the surgeon. She was standing on my left and she began the procedure and it was like within moments my daughter was born and I was a mom and I was alive and I was awake and nobody in the world knew that any of those things had just happened for me, but I did. And so when we rolled out of that operating room together, and embarked on my life, my, it was like my new life with this new knowledge, this new awareness. It was like, I could not unknow what I had just experienced. I could not go back at this point because I'd just been given this, this blessing, this, this awakening. And, and also with it has felt this responsibility to share this part of the story because what really I have been able to glean from this most of all is that I believe that when we die, based upon the physical experience that I had and also tons of research I've done on near-death experiences and have heard firsthand accounts from people about their near-death experiences, the only thing that was left for me was love. Literally, love and appreciation, a deep, deep level of gratitude. That was the only thing that was left and in a surrender. And so if that is what's there when we die... If that's literally the thing that we are met with when we leave these bodies, then why are we so afraid while we're living? Hmm. Wow. Well, obviously, that's, you know, one of the most touching stories I've heard. And I'm not even going to turn the camera off and pretend like it's not because that's the reality. And that's why it's so incredible that you're here today sharing this story, speaking about it, preaching this message, because it's so needed. Like you said, you know, why are we spending so much time living the way we're living? And even more than that, denying what we know is our actual purpose for so many years after years after years when you have an op- we all have an opportunity to live the way that we're meant to live and to show up with love and to um, be you know what you experienced while you were laying on that table. Yes, yes. Thank you for allowing me to share that part of the story. I think um, I just want everyone to hear it and to just receive it in their own way, you know, with whatever that means, because it's going to mean something different to every single person, you know, and I think the other the other piece to it that has given me such grace and and also reverence and relief is knowing that 
the people that I love in my life that have passed on or that are going to pass on. Um, I truly believe that deep down that death is just a, an invitation for us to be carried toward the light. You know, like we are all literally each day just sort of being carried toward the light into transition to whatever is next. And it's obviously a very spiritual conversation, but that is, that's, I mean, I, I don't know I could bear any other option. And so that's what I choose. Mm. And when I think about the people that have passed in my life, I honestly feel even closer to them now um, because I can have that connection with them and I can understand more of what they went through um, in their in their transition and in their passing and knowing that one day I will too. And it's not something that I fear now. And so I imagine even though what you experienced wasn't what anyone would necessarily want, it was a gift. It was a it was a profound gift. Yeah. Yeah. Changed my life. And so take us back to the days after that. So you're now a mom of this amazing little girl. You know, how did your life start to shift and how did you move towards the work that you do now? Mm, yeah. So um, the truth is, is I got home um, from the hospital. I ended up having to be there for about a week after I had a lot of complications, not to, anything to do with the spinal, but uh, just other things that my body was going through um, from the surgery. And um, I got home and I'm, you know, I'm trying to heal and recover from a massive surgery that ended up having lots of infections and complications. Um, I'm trying to learn how to breastfeed, trying to learn how to, you know, hang out with a brand new human and do all these things that I've never done before. And so it was a mess, you know, it was just a mess. And my thoughts about my business and what I wanted to create were so, you know, in the background yeah. at that time, because I was literally in survival mode. Yeah. Um, I mean, for 20 days after I left the hospital, my husband was like, packing and draining my wound because it was like I had abscesses. It was gross, but it was real. Like it is real life like this. Yeah. And I'm also trying to figure out how to sleep and raise this baby. So um, I never want anyone to think like, oh, I came out of the operating room and I'm like, oh, like, okay, now all of a sudden like her divine download and she's like, launched and birthed right. this thing. She's like Kate no. Middleton seven hours later. <laughs> no, <for> the world. <laughs> not at all. My God, I was wearing the mesh thing, you know, oh, girl. So <laughs> December of that year. So she was born um, on August 29th, which coincidentally is also Michael Jackson's birthday. Kind of special. <laughs> love, love Michael Jackson. Awesome. Um, rest in peace, Michael. Uh, December of 2013, I went back to work and I remember sitting at the desk and feeling, first of all, I was just like at like basically every mom that goes back to work, hardly able to get through the day without crying the entire time. And I felt like an alien. So I'm listening to all the conversations around the meeting tables and everything that's going on. And I was just, you know, it was like everything had been put in perspective for me now. Like just even as a mom, let alone the near death thing. What This stuff is not that important. Like we're in fighting about all these silly things that are just so easy to solve, but everybody's posturing for their position and like the right. dynamics of a corporate environment and world, because that's how it is, you know? And I just thought, this is silly. Like, this is so silly. What am I doing here? And so on December uh, 31st, 2013, I wrote a letter to my 2014 self, the yeah. December 31st version of me, right? And I wrote this letter saying, um, I'm so proud of you for launching your business, for leaving your, your career and doing so with grace and with elegance and with love and appreciation and gratitude because it was so important to me. It was my alma mater, you know, like I yeah. that that place is where I grew up and I really wanted to make sure that I left there on a beautiful terms and in a way that felt really peaceful for me. Um, I, you're, you know, I just outlined in specific detail, all the things I was so proud of myself for making happen. And I, I sealed it up in a little envelope and we put it, we put it in a special spot 
and then moved into 2014. And within five months, so May 17th, 2014 was the day that we, that I was home for the first time I launched my business. And, um, you know, that transition in and of itself was, it was kind of wild. I gave my notice with one client on the books and I remember, um, and I think we probably were in this, I was in B school. I took B school. Yeah. We were in the same cohort. Yeah. So I took B school and I, I worked with, um, this amazing like fairy godmother coach who just was there to help me. And she ironically had a background in HR. So she helped me like figure out how to leave my job. Like what, what I, I I never left a job before. I didn't even know how to do that, you know? And so she coached me through that and I launched my business. Um, I had one client, I gave my notice the next day and this client was only $650 a month. So it wasn't like it was replacing my 10 year career salary, but I knew that this is the important part. I knew that if I could welcome in one client with no time, you know, like I was able to do that doing that late night. Uh, and weekends when my husband wasn't working as a police officer on the night shift or when I wasn't feeding the baby, right? That man, if I could do that with one client, what that much time, then imagine what I could do if I had all those 40, 50 hours to my life. And, and I could just do this all during nap time and be home with my daughter and not have to pay the daycare person or any of that. It would just blew my mind. And so I just got really courageous and I gave my notice And, um, that was the high five from the universe because I had three more clients sign on by the time I left my job. So I had four clients. I was actually making more money a month than I was in my corporate career by the time I left. And it just never stopped. It was just like rocket ship pointed in the direction of where I wanted to go. Um, obviously my trajectory, I grew quickly, but I also was raising my daughter full time. I was home with her full time. So I couldn't work most of the hours of the day, but I did during every single minute of nap time that I had. And I built, you know, in my first calendar year, I hit six figures and I built this now multiple six figure business that will be over a million dollars this year in the last four years doing it full time as a mom. Wow. There's so much I want to unpack there and come back to, but we have to take a quick break. So I'm going to pause here and um, I want you to share a little bit more in terms of the details of that in a second. Do you want to learn how to make and attract more money in your business? If so, my iHeartMoney Live program is for you. It's a 10-week program where you can jump in, learn all about money mindset, how to transform the way you think about money, your relationship with money, and in turn, make more money in your business. So if you're interested, go to iHeartMoneyLive.com. Hey guys, we're back. It's Emily Williams here with Amber Liliestrom. I'm so excited for those of you who just watched the last 15 or 20 minutes, however long it's been. I've been so immersed in Amber's story. It's been hard to keep track um, because what you experienced, I'm sure, is your own aha moment, just listening to her story and your own realization that anything is possible. And there's not much else that matters besides love and following your dreams in this world. So Amber just told us all about how she started her business and in the first year was able to hit six figures all while raising her daughter and you know being that new mom and now this year four years later is about to hit seven figures in her business so it's absolutely incredible to hear that reminder of what's possible Amber so thank you for sharing that you're welcome you're welcome it's been it's been a pretty sweet ride Yeah. So I'd love for you to break it down even further. So you said you hit the six figures in your first calendar year. What was that first year like? Like what I remember, you know, being in B school. And for those of you who don't know, that's Marie Forleo's um, eight week business 
I guess, starter program. And um, there are some people, you know, who who I now see all in the all on the online space, and they're doing really amazing, and their business is thriving. And then there's some people who it you know didn't yet happen for. So tell me, what do you think was the thing or things that really set you apart that helped you gain traction that first year? Yeah, good question. You know, I think um, one of the most important things for me was that I. I never entertained the idea that this wasn't going to work. So I think that's the key. Like there was no, this failure was not an option. You know, and frankly, I just think failure is just, it's like silly. Um, <laughs> I don't believe in failing. I think everything is feedback, you know? So um, I just never let that be an option. And, and I will say, you know, I um, I was a division one athlete. I played soccer growing up. And so that for me was something I've called upon a lot in my career because I just, you know, in order to become a division one athlete, to earn a scholarship, to play at that level, to be the captain of the team, it takes such wild intrinsic motivation and tenacity. Yeah. Like nobody's going to come and say to you, hey, um, go do your sprints on a Saturday. You know, no one's going to say like train for preseason so you pass your fitness test. Like, nope, that's all on me. And so guess what? <laughs> Growing a business and being an entrepreneur, as you know, Emily, requires that same level of tenacity and commitment and intrinsic motivation. And so... I had to, you know, hit the hit the computer after I put my daughter down for a nap when all I wanted to do was just collapse because I was so tired. Yeah. Um, I, I stayed up late nights. You know, I got on all those webinars and things and trained, you know, learning from people, uh, studying what people were doing and let myself just be led by my own curiosity and um, also leaning on what I learned in my career. And I think it's really important to to note that whatever you're being called to, it's not something you have to be worthy of. You already are worthy of it. It's actually part of you stepping more deeply into your purpose and what your what your whole reason for being here actually is. It's for you to enhance, execute, and amplify your own spiritual evolution on this journey. And you, if spiritual is a weird word for you, then just put it in brackets and say evolution because it actually is all the same. We're all on a spiritual journey. It's called life, right? So yeah, I agree with that so it, completely. I believe our desires are dropped in and they're there because they're meant for us and they're possible. Yes. They're not just taking yes. up space. They're actually meant for us. Right. And so the people that you're attracted to, so if you're, you are attracted to Emily and you look up to her and it's because something that lives in Emily lives in you and it's just tapping a place in your heart. It's like in awakening it. It's enlivening it. And, and saying to you like, yes, yes, yes. Trust the nudge. Trust the whisper. Follow it. Follow yeah. it. Follow it. And um, I have just, I've trusted those nudges and those whispers. And I've also, um, I've also taken bold leaps. And I've been really courageous in taking those leaps because I know that on the other side, there's so much more than I could possibly ever imagine. And so quitting my job with one client would seem to the practically minded person to be the most insane thing you could ever do. But it was actually the most intelligent thing I could ever do because it gave me obviously permission, but also the pathway to lead to the life that I'm supposed to be living. And so I still do all of those things every single day in my business. I've, my intuition I'd say is much stronger now. And that is something that it's a, it's a trust muscle that I've yeah. built over time, even bigger. And, and, um, and I'm so, I lean on my tuition for every single thing that I do. And, uh, and sometimes I don't have my answers and I just, I just let my answer come when it's time for it to come. I don't give myself a hard time about things anymore. I just trust myself. Mm, amazing. Can you give us an example of when your intuition has led you to do something great or something you're proud of? Yeah. Um, 
so man like a million examples okay the 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 ignite your soul summit is my live event and so we're next year will be the third one um we launched it in 2006 17 um and i remember that i had a bunch of friends saying to me you know when i was explaining the the vision of the event they were like oh well you know that that venue sounds like kind of expensive and maybe you should try to like go to yoga studio and like start small and and I'm like, no, you don't really understand small. like what I'm talking about. I'm like, I mean like a female Tony Robbins event, like lights, stage, music, like lots of moving and jumping and all that. And they were like, they'd never experienced anything like that. So they didn't know what I was talking about. I was the only one that really had my vision. I had one other friend who got it because she had gone to some of Tony's events with me. But I just knew that we needed to create something like this for women. And so I put the deposit down. Um, when I had the money, but it was like, it was tight then, you yeah. know, it was a little bit tight and it was a bit of a leap. And I, to bring in that many people into this event, I, it was, it was a risk. So I did it. Uh, we brought in, we sold out. I set the limit at a hundred people for the first year. Cause I really wanted to nail it. We ended up selling the thing out this year. We doubled the audience. 200 people came and it was unbelievable. And I grew it to two days. Um, and then it made, you know, sold from stage for the first time and brought in just about six figures from stage. And then now we're doing it a third year and I'm going to an even bigger venue, which is going to like basically triple the audience. So, um, I just know that like, this is what people need. This is what women need. And if I don't keep taking these steps, if I don't keep being brave enough to say yes, then I can't help all of these women who are essentially former versions of me who need me to say yes so that they can say yes to themselves. Mm, I agree a million percent. I had a coach tell me at the beginning of building my business not to host an event because I probably wasn't ready for it. And I was like, you Mm. don't know me. (laughs) And Mm, start small is not in my vocabulary. So I totally get it. And I love what you just shared because oftentimes people think, you know, well, how could I possibly do this? How could I move forward? How could I take that step? And we have to remember that it's not just about us. All of the people watching, all of the women in your tribe, all of the future clients, current clients, they, you're setting an example for them and you're showing them what's possible. And so you have to be the one who's, you know, walking that talk. And that's a perfect example of following your intuition. And I do think that the more you practice following your intuition, the stronger that trust becomes. Um, So for anyone listening, you know, I want you to really hear what Amber's saying and just know that you can start with the little whispers. It doesn't need to be, you know, the 200 person event this second, but start small. And I know we just said not to do that, but what I'm saying is start with those yeah. little whispers and then you build from there and you start to get more and more trusting of those vo- that voice that you're hearing and that guidance. Yeah. And I think, you know, so for me, um, 100 felt big, but I also knew it was small in the context of my big vision. Yeah. And so I knew I just had to start there yeah. and same for the for this year. And next year now is like, you know, and I could I have gone to the bigger venue? Yeah, but I really wanted to just nail the two days to me, the experience and the execution of that. And then me feeling really good in the the whole the whole delivery of it um, is the most important thing so that I can get to that next level. I never want to like redline myself, you know, to the place where it feels out of alignment um, and like it was too big. And, And when I think about it, you know, I think I could probably always dream even a little bit bigger. I think that's like one thing that probably all of us could. Um, but just the prospect and the promise of, of what comes when we push ourselves to the place where it feels uncomfortable, that's what leads you to the next where you're like, 
okay, that maybe is playing a little bit safe. Let me just like turn up the volume and the dial on that even a little bit more. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think for everyone listening, one of the key things that you're saying here is to start to practice listening to your intuition and then take the action. So I think a lot of people, they won't even research the venue. They won't even hire the speaking coach. You know, they, they won't take that next step because they're scared or because maybe they think it might not work out. I always tell people, at least entertain this desire that you have, you know, take the step forward and see, you know, what, what it feels like when you move forward, what's possible, how much it's going to cost, what it's going to, what it's going to take, and then evaluate it from that place. A hundred percent. That's like beautiful advice. And we walked into this historic theater where we're going to do the event next year. And, um, I mean, I walked in the door and I was like, oh man, you know, it, it just, there's no chance that I could say no to it because it was so magical and so incredible. And I just knew it's on like now, now I'm calling myself up and I have to operate not only just like at a physically at a different level, but vibrationally and emotionally, I have to operate at a higher level. And I've already witnessed a little like uptick and elevation in just how I'm feeling every day because it's required, you know, in order for me to, to do this event at this level, I have to grow. I have to shift. And I also take that really personally because if I'm asking women to do that every single day in my coaching and in my group programs and my work, you better believe that I'm going to hold myself accountable to that same standard. Totally. So what does that look like for you? So that looks like um, really being devotional about my spiritual practice, um, about my my writing, which is really where I want to be going in a bigger way with books and um And even in the way that I communicate with my list, I think um, being more dynamic in the way that I'm marketing, um, and when I say dynamic, I mean in a way that feels super authentic to me and actually probably sort of goes against the grain of of the traditional stuff that's being kind of pitched in the marketplace. Um, Being sort of an expert of all of it, like researching all of it and knowing what everyone's doing so that I can then put do what I want to do in a way and being educated and knowledgeable. Um, you know, investing in my own five figure mastermind that I get on planes for multiple times a year and challenge myself to be in the room of some of the industry's most um, prolific influencers and thought leaders and teachers um, to be that person that walks into the room at first and feels like a total weirdo and like I don't belong there and, and really challenging myself to be present in the room and to not shrink and to really like take up space and use my voice. Um, to make asks of speakers that I want to have at my event that makes me feel nervous. Mm-hmm. And um, and also to launch my programs, you know, and, and bring in even more abundance because that abundance is what's going to fund and fuel these next levels and uh, also provide more opportunities for other women in the process. Yeah, I love it. In terms of you hitting seven figures this year, what do you think has been the biggest shift, whether it's mindset or something else, between the woman who makes the six figures or multiple six figures to that seven figure mark? Um, Honestly, it's all about self-concept. And it's all about my own, um, just getting into this place where I no longer feel separate from what it is that I have been, what has been calling me forth all along. Yeah. Um, And it's, it's very much like on a vibrational energetic level. I think it's been healing the money mindset stuff in a big way. As I said, you know, I grew up with uh, parents who still struggle in that department. And I don't, I don't think that in this lifetime much is going to shift there. And that's okay because that's their journey. That's where they are. But it's been a huge opportunity for me to learn a lot. And I actually, um, 
I wrote a book uh, called Master Your Money Mind, and it's Money Mind, excuse me. It's a um, game-changing guidebook to transform your mindset and daily habits to attract massive abundance. And I just knew that I was being called to write this book for myself. And so I wrote it. And um, what's in here, the principles of what I teach about my own shifting money mindset, the way that I look at the world through an abundance lens rather than a scarcity lens, all of that has been tremendously helpful to a lot of people. I actually only gave it to the people at the summit. It's going to be launching in June um, on my to my general to the general public. Um, but I, you know, here it is, Emily. Like, if I ask myself the question, what's the only thing that's really holding you back at this time? And I asked myself that question probably about four or five months ago, and the answer was your relationship with money is still kind of jacked, and so you gotta you gotta face this thing head on. And so I just started diving into the work and diving into my own stories and just like really peeling back the layers on that and then literally making myself write a book about it, about what I learned. Because again, what we teach what we need to learn. And so I knew the best way for me to actually teach people this was to, to learn it myself all in an immersive way. Amazing. Yeah, money mindset's one of my favorite topics as well. Was there anything in particular that you realized was like a big story that really had to shift? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think that, uh, I've used money as an excuse and as a weapon against myself, um, in the, in the war that I've been fighting all the days of my life, which was really about, about self-love. And so, um, it was easy to just throw money into that worthiness pot and to say you're not good enough because of money. Um, and the, the funny part was that, you know, the universe was like, well, that's funny that you're trying to use that because, um, you tripled your revenue last year, you're in the new year and you already have, you've already earned what you earned last year. So like money ain't nothing but a thing, girlfriend, and you're still using it against yourself. So I'm, basically the universe is calling BS on me. Yeah. And that was a huge eye opener. Um, when, you know, and I would encourage the listening audience who are struggling with money mindset to just sit down for a second and think if I wasn't using money as a, as a, as a, you know, a weapon in the the battle against myself about why I don't think I'm worthy, then what left is there to use? You know, it's it's really about you just not wanting to give that story up. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was time for me to really release that. And now I think of money as a tool. You know, money is just a tool, just like the Wi-Fi that we're using right now to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you for inviting our audience to think about it that way as well. And people don't know how deep this stuff goes because when you do break that tie and when you make that shift, it's not just your programming, it's also letting go of generations of programming and the yes. way you know your parents and grandparents and so on and so forth have thought for so many years. But I always think about it like, think about what you're providing for your children or your future children or generations to come. I can only imagine what your daughter is going to grow up thinking um, and terms of money because of the shifts that you've made. Yeah. And I think it also, guys, we have the opportunity to make a huge impact on our parents um, and the people that are, you know, our elders that still are alive. And, you know, for my dad who was struggling physically and really needing help to go see a chiropractor and I just booked the appointment and paid for it and said, dad, you have an appointment on Monday at nine o'clock. No worries. You got this. And he was like, Oh, you know, and, and I said, it's not a big deal, dad. It's, it's the most important thing in the entire world. It's the most important gift I could possibly give you to, to honor and protect your health. And for him to just receive that and go, wow, you know, like, look how simple my daughter is allowing this to be. And then just inviting him in other scenarios just to change his language around, let's not use the word expensive. It just means if you're using the word expensive, it's actually synonymous for it's just not a priority right now. 
And, yeah. and like, that's a game changer when you start thinking about it in this really different way. And so not only are we, we creating a programming for my daughter around money and for ourselves every day with, with these practices, but we're also really, truly helping our parents too. Oh, I agree. I remember the day my mom called me and told me she'd just been reading or listening to the science of getting rich in the car. <laughs> yes. Like, wow. You never You're know like, who's yes. watching and listening. Yes, mom. Yeah. Yes. Good. Awesome. Let's pause here for one second, Amber. We'll come right back after the break. And I want to dive into, you told us a little bit about what's next, but I want to hear about what's um, up next for the company and for you personally and what you're excited about. All right. Want to be the first to hear when new episodes of the I Heart My Life show are released? Go to iheartmylife.com right now and click on become a member. When you enter your name and your email, you'll also receive a free gift from me called Scared or Rich, Seven Practical Biz Tips to Moving Past Fear and Hitting Your Mega Money Goals. Hey everyone, we're back. It's Emily Williams and we have Amber Liliestrom with us. She was just talking all about money mindset before the break and how that's really helped her shift from being that six-figure business owner all the way up to seven figures, which she's in, in line for today. Um, so Amber, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what's next for the company. So I know that you work with amazing female entrepreneurs, but can you tell us a little bit more about what you offer them? Yeah. Um, so my programs are really high touch. I feel like um, what I learned early on and what I saw in the space with there, were, there were a lot of really great coaches, but they weren't um, actually coaching people. They were offering programs and then they were very hands off. And what I found in my own personal experience was that um, I just wanted someone to kind of like do this thing with. Um, I wanted a tribe to run with. I wanted a coach that was active and that, that knew me, you know, yeah. that knew of me, that knew I existed and was vested in my growth. And so I felt um, really compelled to create experiences for my clients that created that high touch, that whole world. And so I have a, a brand and biz academy, um, which is a is a space which is it's very similar to kind of a B school format, except that it's ongoing and it gives people the opportunity to be part of a tribe that they they don't roll out of, and that um, we have monthly calls and there's just an opportunity to really connect with each other on a really deep level. Uh, I also have a mastermind. And that program is basically, it's like my beloved space where women entrepreneurs come in and they're very much that passionate soul on a mission. They're in that moment when they say yes to the mastermind, they're saying, yes, I'm ready to do this. I know it's going to get rugged. I know we're going to go deep. I know that you're going to, you're going to help me dig up some childhood stuff and some deep seated stuff that I've been carrying with me for a really long time. And I know you're going to help me release it. Um, and so what I love about that program is that Again, it's high touch. There's modules and all those kinds of things. Um, but we have in-person retreats. And so we actually get together um, every six or so months. And we we are together for a bunch of days. And it's transformational. It's like the the number one thing that the those members will say when they leave the, the retreat is just like, I don't really have words to describe what just happened. I just know that I'm changed. And yeah. I know that everything is going to shift. And it's just a beautiful opportunity because I feel specifically as women that we have to come together with other women who are as passionate and focused and fierce as we are. Um, I think when we live in all these different parts of the world that we can kind of like, it gets diluted. And when you come together with this group, this power posse of women who are really ready to, to step up to the next level and hold each other accountable to it, it's such a life-giving, um, world-shifting experience. So so I have that program as, and I'm also launching this summer another program. It's a higher level mastermind for six-figure business owners called Inner, The Inner Circle. Um, and it's like in her, in her circle. 
And uh, we will have retreats as well. They'll have access to the other mastermind group as well. But we'll do retreats in LA where I'm going to bring in some of my mastermind buddies from my Greatness Mastermind um, crew with Lewis House and all those guys. Um, and just really help them kind of get into those fine tuning details to help them grow their businesses, but also figure out, you know, what are some of the limiting beliefs and some of the big boulders they've been carrying with them in their suitcase of life uh, that we just need to release and, and help them step into kind of that bigger next level. Um, so I, you know, I've really served, I have programs in place to serve so many different versions of my former self and it's, it's just really exciting. And, and so that's what I'm, that's what I'm working on. And I think the other piece just to add into it, obviously I'm planning for next year's Ignite Your Soul Summit as well. Um, I'm launching the Master Your Money Mind book. I'm also working on writing my, my book book, which is like my sort of memoir type teaching book that I've, I'm starting, um, next month. And, though I've been writing it in my head for, for my whole life. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> the formal process of birthing that book is beginning next month. Um, but I'm also, you know, raising my daughter. We're, we're homeschooling. Um, we're not sending her to traditional kindergarten when she turns five in August. We're, we're traveling with her. We're doing these adventures together as a family. We're, you know, setting goals for things that, that we want to show her and do with her. And also working on our own personal stuff. Like what if my husband likes to run ultra marathons, So he's setting goals for that. So I'm supporting him in the pursuit of, of that and his own little um, side podcast editing business that he's doing too. Cause he really wants to do that. You know, he produces and edits my podcast. So yeah, so it's just, it's just a lot of abundance and a lot of growth and, um, and just really, you know, I, I have a pact with my, all my friends basically and my colleagues. I'm like for June and July and most of August, we're not leaving. Like I'm not getting on planes yeah. because it is literally the most glorious time of year for me here. And I wait all year to be here in the summer. We live on a lake in the backyard and you know, my daughter and I were out paddling, looking for turtles this morning and petting the lily pads and just having this, like this, like really living my life. And I think if I flash back four years ago, um, what I wanted the most and really the core of why I wanted to launch this business, it was never about the money. The money is just a byproduct of it all. But what it was really about was being able to be fully present for my life and the people in it. I did not want to get four years down the path and say, man, if I'd only done this sooner, I wouldn't have missed my daughter's first steps and her first words and all of those moments in between that I could have never gotten back. I wanted yeah. to live my life. And so that is my greatest success in my business is that I am living my life every day. I am here. They are right out on the other side of this wall. And so when we are done with this call, I will go and get hugs and kisses and a snack. And then I will come back and keep working and doing, doing what I love to do in here. Um, and I just wish this for, for all of us. I wish if this is what your dream is, sisters, I, I, it's possible, you know, and Emily and I are both examples of women who have created this from scratch. Like, did not have yeah. this, you know, literally just four year career, years ago, didn't have it, <laughs> did not have it four years ago, had a name on the door. I was a somebody in a whole different world and industry. And I went from being a somebody to a nobody. I had seven subscribers. It was like my mom, my best friend, my yeah. husband and me four times. <laughs> yeah, same. Literally. <laughs> and, and here we are today. And so it's like, if we can do this, we're not magical unicorns. I mean, we're all magical unicorns, but yeah. but if we can do this, you can do it too. And I think the coolest part is about the work that we both do respectively in the world. It is about putting a hand out and saying, girlfriend, come on, your dreams matter. If your dream is in you, it is for you. Let's go. We've got work to do. Oh man, 
So much I could say about that. I agree completely. And I think what you just said there is so key because people think, I know when I saw Marie Forley, I was like, oh gosh, she's working with the exact person I want to work with. There's no one left for me. She owns the market. And then I realized that I could use that jealousy and I could flip the switch on it and use it to inspire me and show me what's possible. So I think anyone watching who is inspired by us, but also like, oh gosh, like how can they do it? What if I can't do it? Just what listen to what Amber just said, you can do it. And there are more than enough people out there who need your unique story, need to hear what you have to say in the way you say it. Although Amber and I do very similar work, we're very different people. And yeah. there are people who are resonate with you, Amber, and people who resonate with me or both of us or whatever it is. And we're all needed. Amen. Amen. I think that's just so important to say out loud. You know, it is not about competition, it's about creation. And when you truly live in an abundant universe, when you operate in a space of true abundance in your life and in, in what you're practicing within yourself, you will never feel triggered. I mean, you might for a minute because you're a human, but you're just, you'll be able to release it really quickly because you recognize that. I mean, look at, look at what you have now. I mean, I always think about that, you know, like, let's just do the abundance test of right this minute. You know, <laughs> are you sitting in a chair? Are you sitting in a car? Yeah. Are you listening to this thing over some sort of magical network that's playing <laughs> it in the sky? Are you watching it on a screen? Like, how is this possible? Are you holding a screen in your hand watching it? Yeah. Hello. I mean, my grandfather came over here on a boat. I mean, a boat. When was the <laughs> last time you sailed across the Atlantic to get over to Europe or to the U.S., right? Yeah. And, and so I just think these things, I have a sense of humor about it, but I'm, I also have like, this deep reverence and appreciation for all the people who came before us. And I just think, you know what, it's, again, just like using money as, ex as an excuse, you can use competition as the same kind of excuse to keep you from having to put yourself out there. Totally. And you asked the question of yourself, what was holding you back? And you got the answer. It was it was the money stories. But whenever yeah. I ask that of anyone, it's always something to do with themselves. We're always holding always. ourselves back. And yeah. for everyone listening, I think that the theme here is you can drop those excuses because truly anything is possible. And if this is lighting you up, you have to go for it. You owe it to yeah. yourself in this one life and everyone out there who needs what you have to offer to just take that step and trust. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I honestly, I use my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> and I say this to parents all the time I, and, and to anyone, you know, look at the people that you love and, you know, ask yourself, like, am I showing them the best version of me? You know, and what do I want? What do I want to teach my daughter? It's that, that she can do it. But if I don't believe that about myself and I don't go for it, then how could I possibly teach her that? Yeah. So don't be a hypocrite, mama, you know, like step into the ring and let's, let's do this thing. Hmm. Beautiful. So random question for you, as yeah. you may or may not know, my husband and I work together and for a long time I said that I retired him and I know you used that word at the beginning of our interview. I'm curious to know, does he like that word? Because James hates it. <laughs> yeah. Ben is, um, Ben is like, he's so amazing. Um, you know, he thinks it's like funny, you know, he thinks it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm what 30, I think he was 33. Yeah. I retired from my police 11 year police career at, um, 33. And, you know, and I say, even for me at my, my corporate career, when I walked away from it, uh, four years ago, um, I called, they had like this big party for me and I called it my retirement party. And they all thought that they thought it were like laughing. Like they thought it was a joke. And I was like, no, 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 this is actually my retirement party from corporate America. Like that's, yeah. this is my retirement party. So we really see it as like, like liberation. Yeah. Um, and I think Ben is like, 
you know, the way that we operate as a team, we knew that this business had to go and grow first because it was going to be the thing that led him to having his opportunity to, to step out and do what he wanted right. to do. But Ben's dream, he always said to me was like, you know, I would be so happy to be a stay at home dad. Like I would be so happy to step away from my police career to be with Ani every day and to support you in the business however I can. But you know, it, and, and I look at him because I'm the complete opposite. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, yeah. what, what, why don't you have these big crazy dreams like I do? And here's the thing, Emily, like we wouldn't work very well as a couple if both of us were like, bam, 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 like trying to do all these things. And so Ben is just, his energy is so like, he's subdued and he's calm. Thank the Lord. Cause I am not. And we balance each other out in the most beautiful way. And he's my rock. He's also my confidant. He's the person I go to with every business decision and every question that I have about anything at all. Um, I share everything with him. And so mm -hmm. we are business partners. We are life partners. We are parents together. Um, you know, we worked on the language actually, because when he first retired, he would, he would always say my wife's business. And it was that way. But I said, it's not that way anymore, sweetie. Like you can say our businesses because we have multiple businesses that are ours that we're operating together now. And so I think that's just been the evolution of our, of our relationship, our marriage and, and our life together. And, um, and it's been, he's just taught me so much and I'm just so grateful to get to do it in this way with him. Mm, that's so beautiful. And yeah, it's so nice to hear all of that because I think it is possible for couples to have that life that you're describing. And I always tell myself, it'd be really horrible to be married to myself if I'm being Yeah, true, oh God, that would be torturous. Yeah, you know, so I do I'll think you this, balance. I, this just came through. I think that, you know, um, Ben and I are both really uh, committed to our own personal work. So I'm, I am doing my own work. And so when I get triggered by something with him in our marriage or whatever, it's like, I check myself around what that is. And then we have a conversation about it. And oftentimes it's, it's my own fear. It's my own scarcity. It's my own insecurity that I'm sort of projecting on him for him. Um, ben doesn't, he doesn't really do that. He's just, a, he's, he's as solid as the day is long. Um, and for me, what I have asked for from him is just like, you know, I would just, I would love for you to communicate more, you know, and, and he's working on that in a big way. And then, you know, if we have a little disagreement about something, it's usually because, uh, he hasn't communicated and I've been just really intense and kind of like separating myself. And so then we just kind of come back and meet in the middle and go, Oh, we're just doing those things again. Like we got to yeah. work on that. And how can we be compassionate about that? And so we're not a couple that really like fights because we're both just holding ourselves accountable to our own work. And we know that if there's a, something going on, usually it's because of some sort of imbalance that's happening within us personally that we just need to ask for help with from the other. Yeah, same. Yeah, we spent a year working with a relationship coach who specializes in entrepreneurial couples. And nice. the biggest thing we took away from it was that communication piece and just being honest and not making any emotion or thought or feeling wrong. It just yeah. is what it is, but be able to communicate about it and work through it. 100%. Awesome. Beautiful. So final question for today's show, I'd love to know what you'd recommend people do or what you've done to create a life better than your dreams. Mm, I love that question so much. Um, to create a life better than our dreams, friends, um, I think you do it with open palms, you know? And so it's like really, truly about living a life open and acknowledging that 
every single thing along the way that you experience is, is a gift. It's, it's feedback, um, a, in relationship to where your inner being is. So I'm going to use some of that Abraham spiritual talk, um, where your vibration is and whether it's coming from a place of love or fear. And so when I really allow myself to operate in that place of love and really spend my, my time, my space, my energy, and I commit to that, it's like so much magic happens. Cause here's a perfect example. Like I could have said, Oh, I, Emily and I can't be on podcasts together. We do the same thing. Like people would be confused or, or my people might want to go work with Emily and not with me. Right. What is that coming from? Fear, fear, lack. Yeah. Fear. Yeah. And that doesn't make any sense, right? Like that, that's, if you operate in a place of love truly and in abundance, you see it as just an exciting opportunity to connect with someone that you have kind of like gone through the, we've, we, which we never really connected, no. but we were growing together and not for any reason, just, we just didn't, you know, and I love that we're connecting now, you know, on this day in this divine timing of it all. And I think it's a beautiful thing. And I, and I think like our lives are only better because we know each other now and our tribes are only better because they have access to this conversation and to whatever comes next. And so I think that that is, it's like, we really have to, we really have to nail that. And that is going to really open up and lead you to all of the things that you desire and beyond when you can operate in that vibration of trust and love and joy and, and appreciation for all that is coming your way before it even arrives. Totally. And just doing life with eyes wide open, because the reason why this conversation happened is because I first saw your website launch through Go Live HQ. I follow them. Then I saw you on Julie Solomon's podcast. And then I saw you in this picture with Lewis Howes. And like you kept popping up everywhere. And I was like, okay, I just need to reach out to her because clearly something's meant to happen here. Right. And it's so fun. And it's so much fun. I got to hang out with your beautiful pink self. And (laughs) (laughs) I just, I literally love your colors so much. I just love, I love all of it. And, uh, and I love how you just so unapologetically and powerfully have just like created what you've created and what, how many women you have set free, uh, to do the same in, in that same beautiful way. And I just think it's, it's exceptional. So I just want to just honor you sister for your courage, because I know, it's not easy in between in the bits in between, but you you have done it, and it's a beautiful thing to witness. Thank you. Oh, make me cry again. Well, <laughs> same for you, Amber. And I'm so excited for what's next for the books, for this massive big event that sounds like it's going to be that thing that people come back to year after year and tell all their friends about, and all the programs and and generally everything you're creating in your brand, but also with your family. So. Thank you again for such an amazing episode and presence here and all the wisdom you've provided. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. And for all the I Heart My Lifers listening, remember you too can create a life better than your dreams. Do what Amber has suggested here and really shown us. Follow your heart, access that intuition, and just take those big steps forward and trust that everything you desire is there waiting for you. So until next time, I'm Emily Williams. I'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the I Heart My Life show and have a beautiful day. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the I Heart My Life show. Please take a second to leave a review. We love reading all of your comments, suggestions, and feedback. And for more inspiration, success tips, and ways to achieve your life and business goals, definitely follow me on Instagram and Facebook at I Heart My Life Now. 
See you next time.